Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 13th, 2022, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, There is a Solution, page 27, the fifth paragraph, which starts with, upon hearing this, our friend, ending with, did not spell the vital spiritual experience. Um, reading that one paragraph only, and today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Kathy M., 12 traditions, Kim T., and reading the text are Colleen M., Kathy S., and Craig F. is our backup. The newcomer greeter is Karen W., and the host of the second hour is Penny C. The reference numbers for Monday, September 12, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting is 13,000, 19,000, 393, that's 19393. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's uh, 19,394, that's 19394. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Kathy. Kathy. Okay, there you are. Thank you. Good morning, this is Kathy M. from Michigan, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Uh, Let me get my 12 steps up. Okay, Uh, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me be of service and everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you, Kathy M. Okay, I will now ask Kim T to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, this is Kim T, Compulsive Overeater. This is the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service and have a great day. Thank you. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 27, the fifth paragraph. Upon hearing this, our friend, ending with, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Reading that one paragraph only, and I will ask Colleen M. to begin reading. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen M. from Maryland. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. So, um, you know, I can really relate, and what a great paragraph this is, I can really relate to, um, 
you know, he was a good church member. I spent my life growing up in the church and had a profound relationship with with God as a young person. And, and church was actually the one place I felt safe and protected. Um, but that was not enough to get me to have this vital spiritual experience. Um, my religion and all I knew about God did not uh, keep me from alcoholism and food addiction and, and multiple other addictions that I spent my life or most of my adult life trying to fix and trying to convince God to take away. Um, I found something. Um, so the big book describes the spiritual experience as a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. It also says that it manifests itself in many different forms and that this means the experience looks different for different people. And um, I did not have a white light experience. Um, it has been a very slow, sometimes quite painful educational variety. Um, I've been in recovery since the late 90s. And I'd say in the last couple years since coming to vision and really learning how to live the steps, has God really started, have I allowed God to start changing my heart? I cannot do any of this myself. I am powerless over my character defects, my compulsions, my addictions, my thinking, my emotions. And what I need is a connection with a higher power that I can trust, that I can turn my will and life over, surrender what I think my life is supposed to look like, you know, what I think I'm supposed to feel about whatever's happening around me um, and, and give that to God to, um, to change. And it's, and it's happening. My, my thinking is changing. My heart is changing. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm so grateful, so grateful that, I stuck around long enough to hear this message and to be willing to do the work and, and through the steps and working with other people who have found this solution, I am, I am having this, this vital spiritual experience. I am being rocketed to the fourth dimension. It's simple, but it's not easy. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to hear about other people's vital spiritual experiences and their recovery, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Colleen. Um, okay, and although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this fifth paragraph on page 27? Lauren Grace, Lee, New Jersey. I'm sorry. Okay. Nancy P. Barbara E. From New Jersey. Okay, I have Nancy P. Barbara E. If there were others that spoke up at the beginning, I, I could not hear you your get, names. I'm sorry. Christina L. Linda D. Ken W. H. Vasa O. 
Okay, I have Nancy P, Barbara E, Christina L, Linda D, Ken W H, and Vasa O. I can take one or two more. We can go with this as our first lineup. Lisa Larry K. M. Larry K. And who was the other one? Lisa N. N as in Nancy? Yes. Okay. And M Margaret or Barbara? was Lisa. Okay, and then I thought I heard another one. Okay, Lauren that's Grace good. B, New Jersey. Lauren Grace B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so this is a good lineup. Nancy P, Barbara E, Christina L, Linda D, Ken W H, Vasa O, Larry K, Lisa N, and Lauren Grace B. Go ahead, please, Nancy. Sorry about that. I thought it was muted. I thought it was unmuted. <clears throat> um, good morning, Nancy P. Um, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share. I love this paragraph because this is sort of the beginning for me of, I don't know, another beginning. <laughs> and I was never a good churchgoer. I don't go to church. I don't celebrate any religious holidays, really. Um, but I had other things that I treated like an ace in the hole, like this guy. You know, I'm. I'm I, I would say I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty articulate, but I was always looking for a silver bullet that was that would allow me to do something other than what was required. Abstinence first among them. Abstinence is not what is required for me. Surely I have to, I absolutely have to put the food down. No question about that. that. But once I do that, that's when the real work begins. So I invested abstinence with power that it didn't have. I thought that if I put the food down, that my problem would disappear, which of course it didn't. And, you know, in service of that idea, I went to lots of meetings and I did a lot of service at the group and the intergroup level. And, you know, that, of course, didn't work for me. And so to me, the operative word in the whole paragraph is spell. And it was like I couldn't understand what was written. I couldn't understand what I was reading. It was a foreign language that was not at all intuitive. You know, I can read languages that are written in in the same alphabet as what I is English. You know, the English alphabet, but I may not be able to, you know, read Shakespeare. But I can read. I can understand the odd word here and there. I can intuit that it might mean what it what it means. But this spelling, you know, this in this sense of the of the big book, I always heard. You know, the big book is where the real recovery is. And I went to a billion big book meetings and I'd be there in the in the room and I'd be, you know, mentally raising my hand saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, you know, <clears throat> I needed a vehicle to um, make sense of what all this was that I had to do. And um, there was only one way to do it. I needed a Rosetta Stone that, you know, that the, those um, these scientists uncovered it, and then suddenly they could read what the Egyptians were writing on their their whatever they wrote them on. And um, and so, what do we all know? What do I know? What does everybody know that Nancy P knows? Say it with me: surrender, surrender, surrender. That's what you know. Once I surrendered, all of a sudden everything changed from being this unreadable, <clears throat> excuse me, unreadable text, uh, unreadable. Um, place that I needed to go unfathomable to something that was completely comprehensible, comprehensive. You know, I could do it. I could do it with no problem. The only hard thing that I ever did 
in my all of my recovery was surrender. Everything else after that was not difficult. It might have been a little uncomfortable. It might have been tedious, but it was not hard. And if I can do it, anybody can do it because I was a pretty tough nut to crack. So starts with S, rhymes with surrender. Say it with me. Surrender, 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 and not with that I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Christina L. Good morning, everyone. It is Barbara E. in New Jersey, a volume compulsive eater. What I've learned as I read this chapter, hope and warnings too, it talks about fellowship, but it also says I need a vital experience if I'll ever get the solution. To surrender to the fact that I'm an addict and will always be one. But this book offers me a solution and I needed one desperately. I couldn't stop going back to the food that was killing me. I had to change the way I thought about almost everything if I needed to, if I wanted to recover. I needed a higher power to guide me, and I've learned so much about myself and my selfishness and my desire to mold people into what I thought they should be and do and think, but I wouldn't have missed this opportunity for the world. If I stayed in the problem, I'd live in the problem, but if I live in the solution, I'll live in the solution. Sure, I'd like to be a normie, but that's not my story. So what have I learned? To go with the flow with the river and not have such rigid thinking and giving a little grace for myself, a message of community and sharing our truth and knowing that people were really listening and getting a phone call from another member, tolerance for change in my life as I age. Dignity is freeing myself from ag. Arrogance and self-importance, presenting myself to the world as I really am, with honesty, self-respect, without the temptation to see myself better or worse than I am. To ask myself, what am I willing to do today? Well, for me, I've learned it's all about transformation, not information. I thought the world judged me by my intentions while the world judged me by my actions. I had to learn a better way of dealing with people. And the first is truly learning acceptance, giving up expectations and giving up the decision to always be right and accept others' opinions without arguing. And finally, looking for the good in people, to feel a new freedom, a new lightness, and a new peace in the midst of chaos, and think less of me and more about you. I just wrote out my defects and sent them to my sponsor two days ago. And yesterday, when I woke up, I heard a small voice whisper, let me help you. The solution is there for anyone who wishes to take the actions necessary to recover one day at a time. Bless you all and thank you for participating in my recovery. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Christina L. followed by Linda D. 
Good morning. This is Christina L., a recovered compulsive overeater from Florida. Thanks for your service, Katie, and everybody else who's in service. Um, this paragraph, one year ago today, is exactly where I was at. Um, one year ago today, I was in the food. One year ago today, I didn't want to do 12-step recovery anymore. I didn't want to be abstinent. I didn't want to do anything. And, um, you know, looking at this, uh, while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the vital, the necessary vital spiritual experience. And um, I did not have a relationship with God growing up, although we went to church every single Sunday. Um, I did not start to have a relationship with God until I was 23 years old. And even then, it was the God that you know, I was taught, you know, a God to fear. Um, I don't believe, I, I, well, I know today that that was not the message necessarily that was being taught at church that I can recall, but that was the message that I got at home. And um, so I was taught to fear God. And when I came in, or not even when I came in, before I came into the program, you know, I started to come back to my faith of my childhood and develop that relationship with a higher power, although it was still that punishing God that I grew up with. And in that, in that time, you know, um, I was given or got a job in a religious church in, of my faith that I grew up in. And I continued to work in, you know, churches in that faith for the next uh, 19, 19 and a half years until COVID hit and my last position was eliminated. And then last year, um, I got what was my dream job. It was in another religious institution. Um, and I really thought that I was going to make myself some make something of myself, just like in the Bill in Bill's story, you know, I'd prove to the world that I was somebody. And I once again I was back in there trying to use my religion to to control <laughs> basically what it was, controlling the food, the weight, my emotions, everything. Guess what? It did not work. Um you know, so and just like it says here, we it it did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Thank God, you know, I had a moment of clarity um, and realized that I needed help, that I needed to come back, that I needed to humble myself and admit that I had made a mistake in leaving program, even though it was only for like maybe two, three days, however long it was. But, um, you know, I came back and this last year has just been incredibly amazing, incredibly difficult, but, you know, I see the changes happening in Time, me please. and um, very grateful for that with that, with that, I passed. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Christina. Congratulations on one year. Linda D, you're up, followed by Ken WH. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D from Connecticut. I'm so happy to be with you. Where would I be without you? I hate to think of it. I really would hate to think of it. Um, gee, you know my story because you not only heard me, you, you've lived the same story. Um, 
some degree or another, probably a lot of it. There's a lot of agony. There's a lot of shame. And now I say bullshit. Excuse the language. It's a disease. I was born with it. It riddles my family in one form or another. I was 38 years old before I even found out I had a disease and joined OA. So half my lifetime was gone. The best half is now, right now. I love God. I had everything upside down and backwards. I did the best I could. So did you. And look where we ended up, or I'll speak for myself. I'm in a rehab, not because I nosedived into pizza, but because I actually um, have an, uh, an infection that I'm uh, learning makes you crazy. How did I learn? It makes you crazy. It's a UTI from somebody in the program who has a doctor in the family and was kind enough to text me. And I went, holy crap. And I've been cooperating ever since with that idea. I'm learning so much. I'm so grateful to be learning it. And as far as the vital spiritual experiences, God is so amazing, carrying me through stuff I've never seen every single day. And yes, I've had massive experiences, big ones and little ones. I need them all. And it turns out that everything is spiritual if I turn away from fear and to love. And how do I do that? I ask God because I don't have the ability to transform anything without God. It's a wonderful program. Please give it a shot. You'll you'll find out how wonderful it is. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda. Okay, Ken WH, you're up, followed by Vasa O. Thank you, Katie. This is Ken WH, recovered compulsive overeater from North Carolina. <clears throat> Uh, I hope I can get through this without sounding like a blithering idiot, but uh, um, this paragraph reminds me that while we are fond of saying that this is a we program, I also have to remember it's made up of a bunch of me's or I's or egos, whatever you say, uh, that there's an individual uh, aspect to this. And I have to read this paragraph with that in mind. Upon hearing this, our friend Roland was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctor, telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, note that, in his case, they did not, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And what I've had to do over the years is set aside uh, any desire on my part to universalize that statement. Um, the fact is it didn't work for Ebby. It works for a whole lot. I mean, it didn't work for Roland. It works for a whole lot of people. And um, granted, what it says is his, his convictions, his religious convictions, that's, that's my mind. That's my mind's thoughts about religion didn't and they were good they were good in in Roland's case they didn't create the vital spiritual experience in my case 
they did. And, um, well, <laughs> I'm starting to lose it here because um, it's hard to listen to um, religion taking the beating it takes. In some cases, it's it's appropriate. There's been a lot of bad religion done over the centuries. But by golly, there's a whole lot of good. And um, go read page 87. Bill, as much as anything, says it really clearly. Um, so it's just as much to say that the, the vital experience, the spiritual experience is out there for all of us. And, and it's going to come in all kinds of ways from all kinds of sources. I just need to be open to them all. And uh, with that, I pass. Sorry. Thank you, Ken W.H. Bata O, you're up, followed by Larry K. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, we are in the solution still. And I was so grateful to hear about the solution, and I was grateful to hear about the allergy. I had no clue about any of this stuff until I came to the programs. And I was relieved. Finally, there was a word for it that I'd been trying to do for many, many, many years. Didn't know what was wrong with me, and I thought I needed to control it, you know. And with everything like everybody has done, nothing worked. And it gave me hope when I came to the 12-step program. And if it worked, the facts were, if it worked for this people, it should work for me if I follow the directions that they laid out in the big book or the OA 12 and 12, which we didn't have in those days. We had the stories mostly. We didn't have as much literature 37 years ago. So, But anyways, um, so I did grow up in church when I was a little girl. I remember going to church. And But I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And also, I came from a communist country in Macedonia. It was communist in those days. And in school, they thought us there was no God. And, of course, I wanted to believe my teachers or believe my students, my friends. And church was not, it was looked down in the communist country. And people were mocked, you know, they... They would lose their jobs if they believe if they heard that they believed in God. Their government was God. But anyways, coming in this program, that's when the food addiction started for me when I was 15 years old, and I suffered for 25 years of my life in it, in and out, in and out, not in programs, just trying to do it by myself or or hearing what people did, diets and everything else. But for me. It did not really start. And again, my sponsor said the only way it's going to work is if we surrender to a power greater than ourselves. And I said, I will surrender to anything or anybody as long as it's going to help me with the food addiction because it was getting progressive. You know, I must have gained hundreds of pounds uh, over the years trying to take it off, put it on. It was exhausting. And yes, I was ready and I was willing to surrender to a power greater than myself. 
in my bathroom, in my knees, and that's where I found God. And that's when my life turned around, turned for better. But this is my time. There'll be more time for my story later. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Lisa N. Thanks so much. Good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, what I read in here is um, is not, you know, Dr. Jung knocking religion. He was a religious person. He was just saying that, you know, here's Roland Hazard, a drunk of the hopeless variety, right? We're compulsive overeaters, perhaps of the hopeless variety. And he was saying, look, you know what? Um, in your case, you may have good, strong religious convictions. You may have daily practice and all that kind of stuff, but it, it just did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience that's, that we need in order to overcome this disease, you know, and, and why not? Why, you know, why is it that there are people just like Roland Hazard who come to Overeaters Anonymous, even in 2022, you know, here we are, um, with a long history of religious conviction, uh, religious practice, and still are plagued by this disease. And you know what? I, I'm not sure, but I, I, I think the bottom line is that it's hard to let go of that mantle of divinity. It's hard to put down the mantle of divinity. And I can't tell you the number of, of calls that I've received over the years from people who work in, um, in religious vocations, wonderful people doing great work, um, and, but they're just baffled by the hold that this disease has on them. And they're riddled with shame, you know, that they're in this predicament, and they're scared that their secret <laughs> is going to be revealed and they'll be publicly shamed. I, I like it. I also get calls from psychologists and doctors and the same thing. They're, you know, they, they, they're, they're scared that, and they feel shameful that they're in the helping professions and yet they're plagued by this disease. And frankly, they're no different than the garden variety drunk who comes here with a strong belief in, in God, people with religious conviction. And yet Dr. Jung is suggesting that that's not enough. We have to experience a profound shift from a self-centered consciousness to a God-centered consciousness. Perhaps there, there needs to be movement from a self-absorbed life to an other-absorbed life. And, you know, and, and, you know, can I be engaged in religious practice and yet still miles and miles from the very things that embodies what God professes? Yes, I can. I was. Still can be. And yet I have to admit that I have, you know, met many people in Overeaters Anonymous who have had a spiritual awakening. They're not necessarily, uh, necessarily religious people. They're spiritual, but they practice these principles. There's love, compassion, acceptance of others, humility. And here's the kicker as I'm ending. They have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat in many years. They've been reborn. That's, that's good money right there. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And in case you joined us in the last few minutes and wonder where we are, we're on page 27, the fifth paragraph. And so, um, Lisa Ann, you're up, followed by Lauren Grace B. And then we'll ask for more shares. Good morning. Thank you, moderator, for your service today. Thank you, everybody, for all the great shares. Um, 
you know, this is um, such an interesting paragraph. I've never really thought about it much. I'm sure I've heard it and read it, but um, to really think about it, um, I realized that as a child, I really, I did feel God's presence. Um, I remember doing a puzzle once as a child and just feeling somebody watching me, feeling somebody with me. I knew it. Um, but, and I love to go to church. Um, I prayed. I wanted to pray before meals. I kind of made my family pray. Must have been a little evangelist or something. But um, I, I sang in the choir. I, I wanted church. I wanted God. Um, but I didn't know how to be in relationship with God. Um, so I was always, I think, a little fearful. And I noticed that there's a lot of people in my church that struggle with weight. So I don't think that's uncommon, or I don't think um, I was alone ever, or still am for that matter. But um, I know that I tried a lot of different spiritual practices and healing methods as an adult, trying to find out what was wrong with me, what was going to take care of this weight problem that I had, because it was miserable. And um, so I kept searching for the method that was going to change me. And, you know, that's the thing about this program. It, it is a method, but it isn't a method. Um, so I needed to learn how to be in relationship with my higher power. And then um, I learned that here, and I learned how to be in relationship with people here because I didn't know how. I didn't know what I didn't know, I guess. It reminds me of that movie, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say movie titles or not, but it, there's a movie where um, this man has a bunch of necklaces around his neck, and he's, he comes in contact with this monster, and he's saying, he's showing the, the necklaces, the cross, the uh, Star David, and all these symbols that represent God or religion, and he's praying to them, and um, it's out of fear, and I think that I was trying all these things because I, I just was afraid and I didn't know how to connect. I didn't know God was how much he loved me and how much he wanted to help me. He wanted to help me. So thank God for this program and the steps that teach me that. And if you're um, new to the program and you are going to church, that's wonderful. If you love it, stay. We're not trying to tell you not to go to church or to do anything else. But it will definitely, for me, I won't say it for others, but for me, it has deepened my relationship um, with God. So thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lisa Ann. Okay, Lauren, Grace B., you're up, and then we'll open it up for a few more. Good morning, everyone. This is Lauren Grace B. from New Jersey. So glad to be a part of this meeting. And uh, this paragraph is very meaningful for me. Um, when I was in junior high, I had a white light experience with God. And God revealed uh, himself to me and showed me who he was and uh, that he loved me and wanted a relationship with me. But for some reason, uh, the food, it didn't, it didn't affect my food. And it's just amazing because I study and continue to study my faith literature and all the steps are in my faith literature. But I think because they weren't 
aligned in, in an order that could be easily followed. They were just principles that I tried to employ in my life, but they, they weren't really helpful at the time. Um, when I first came into OA about 31 years ago now, I understood uh, that I was powerless over food and my life certainly was unmanageable. And I understood that I had to turn um, my food over to God, that I was powerless and only God could help me um, overcome my compulsive overeating. And it worked and I had good physical recovery, but I had no idea about step three. Somehow I missed it. I don't know if it was the group I was with or just my own ignorance, but I never turned my will and my life over to the care of God. And I was, I was really a dry drunk with the food, um, chewing lots of gum, eating lots of sugar-free mints, and trying to control my life and everyone else's. Um, it just didn't work. So now what's different for me is I'm working the steps, not just one, two, um, and three with my food, but uh, working three in every area of my life or trying to surrender my will and my life to God um, every day. And also um, working steps 10, 11, and 12, especially 10, really hard, uh, most days having at least one or maybe more 10 steps to give away. So the steps have just made a big difference. The other thing that's made a big difference is the humility of relying on other people. I don't believe God wants us to be lone rangers in this program because then we think I have it, I have it made, and we're not getting input from others um, that he wants us to have. So uh, the humility of being in relationship with others is a big part of my program too. And just lately, I've come to a new understanding of my higher power that makes it easier for me to trust God. Um, there's a metaphor in my faith literature that talks about God being like a nursing mother. And I have not been the best mother in the world, but I was an amazing nursing mother. And just that thought that God is caring for me just like, um, and even better than I cared for my children when they, when I was a nursing mother, it just brings me so much peace. So I'd encourage those of you who have um, religious Fine, backgrounds. Please. All right, I'll end there. Thanks so much for letting me share. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Lauren Gracie. Okay, so we are on page 27, the fifth paragraph. Um, if you have not shared in the last two days, who would like to share? Craig F. Kelly G. Craig F. Kelly G. That was Polly D. Oh, Polly D. Huh. I got that messed up. Polly D. Okay. You can take uh, two more. Penny C. Penny C. Sarah M. Sarah M. Or Tara? Yes. Sarah. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, Craig F., Polly D., Penny C., and Sarah M. Go ahead, please, Craig. Okay, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good morning. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, what this paragraph just tells me to begin with is that, that you know, I, I, I had um, a religious background and and, and a strong faith, but if if that had been enough, if that had been working, 
I, I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have been where I was at doing what I was doing. Um, you know, there was still there was something missing. And and when I first read this, uh, there's a solution. It, it meant a lot to me, um, and it, it, it touched me. And it, and it said that I needed this vital spiritual experience. And and I said, okay, I I, I need it. Give it to me. I'm ready. Hit me, zap me with the lightning. You know, give me this vital spiritual experience. And it didn't happen. Um, it, it it wasn't there. And I, and you know, I knew I had character defects that were standing in my way: uh, procrastination, um, uh, blame shifting, uh, those uh, kinds of things that were standing between me and doing the and, and getting the steps done. And but what I thought was, if I could. If God would hit me with this spiritual experience, change me, change my nature, that then I could finish the steps, and and then everything would be okay, right? And and it'd be okay forever. And there's so much wrong with that thought, you know. The twelfth step says, having had a spiritual awakening as the singular, the result of these steps, and and. Yeah, you know, it's I, I don't get to do the steps because I had a spiritual experience. I get a spiritual experience because I went through the uh, uh, e- ego reducing process of doing the steps. I, you know, confessed what I'd done. You know, I, I inventoried my uh, resentments, my fears, my harms, those things that stood between me and a relationship with God. And I, I I confessed them to another human being and to God, and 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 then you know I asked God to take away my character defects, and I didn't wait on it. But you know when I moved to nine and ten and stepped out and made amends to the people I'd harmed, when I went through that process, and, and then began to live in ten and eleven and twelve, then uh, I I can say that I had a shift in my outlook and my attitude and. A rearrangement of my uh, of my um, thought processes, and you know, and and I also came to understand that that wasn't guaranteed for life. That that you know, I could snap back to the way I was at any moment, and that I had to to enlarge and and, and uh, uh, perfect my spiritual life through self sacrifice and work with others, as it says on the bottom of 14, top of 15, that I had to work work with others, that I had to give it away to keep it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Craig. And now we'll have Polly D, followed by Tenny C. Good morning, everyone. This is Polly D from Kentucky. Grateful to be here. Tomorrow marks two years that I committed to listening to vision, and being a part of the group. And that's basically what I want to say today. Um, I had bounced around various kinds of OA and not finding them super helpful over the years, and that might have been me and my being blocked, but vision has been so helpful for me in my spiritual life. Now, I love my religion. I was a searcher. I looked here, there, and everywhere within Christianity, and I absolutely love my practices and I have had 
vital spiritual experiences God has led me step by step where I am now, where I landed. But what God was saying to me over two years ago and had through the years is, honey, you got to be among your own kind. you got to be among your own kind. I have recovering alcoholics in my family very dear to me, and they need to be with other alcoholics. If I were to have a, I remember my cousin had a very specific kind of breast cancer that God bless her soul, it killed her. What helped her was to be in a support group with people who were going through that exact same thing. So this is what God was saying to me. And I knew from my faith that God works through a community. God is not just a, a me thing, an individual, personal thing. There's that. And every morning, my 11th step is so important. And I have that time alone with God before I do anything else. But God works through other human beings. And that's what I heard in vision was the community. I was joking with a, a young new member the other day about when I first registered for vision, I did so under an alias because I was so full of shame. I was not very overweight at all through the years, a little. So this is my deep, dark secret. And the other thing I know about God is that God brings things into the light. And the opposite power, if you believe in that, loves the darkness. And what helps me to bring things into the light is when I hear someone else talking about the exact same thing that I'm so ashamed of, and it just cuts it down to size, and God is there in that moment. And that's what vision does for me. So, you know, we say God had to have skin on, and that is my experience. As much as I love my religious faith and practice it very fervently, actually I'm a professional, I have a master's in theology, which is the study of God. I've worked in the church for decades. I love it. But God says to me, you need to be among your own kind for this one. And that has been my experience. What I heard from Vision was a lot of talk about God and the spiritual solution that I had not heard. Maybe my, my ears were not open. I had not Fine, heard please. to this degree in other OA meetings. And I am so grateful. Thank you for everyone to everyone who makes vision happen. And have a blessed and excellent day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, Polly D. from New Jersey. Penny C., you're up, followed by Sarah M. Hi, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much uh, for your service. And I am Penny C. I'm a recovered, very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Oh, wow, this paragraph really speaks to me. Like, like um, Roland, I was a good church member. I was an excellent church member, in fact. Uh, I grew up in a very strict religious home and had an extensive religious education. And, um, but it never, it never once occurred to me that God had anything to do with my, my overweight, my compulsive eating, my difficulty getting along with people. Never, never occurred to me. You know, I prayed incessantly, but I prayed the prayers that I memorized, and I never really had a personal relationship with the higher power. And so at my very first OA meeting, and I heard that the solution was spiritual, not knowing the difference between spirituality and religiosity, I thought, like like Roland, that, uh, gee, I've, I've kind of I got it made. 
In fact, I looked at those first three steps that were hanging on the wall in the room and thought, I have I'm, I can just skip those. I, I I've got them them down pat. I mean, years and years of religious education didn't didn't help me at all because I never once, never once in forty almost forty eight years considered that God had anything to do that I would be able to ask God to do anything to help me with my compulsive eating. And in that first meeting I really did. I came away I guess the word was astonished um, and, and full, full of hope, and that's, that, that was legitimate. I was full of hope, and the hope keeps, keeps renewing itself because God is doing for me today what I could never have done for myself, never. Well, I didn't even ask him because I, <laughs> it it, it's just incredible to me that, you know, I thought I, I had this in with God and I didn't even know who God was or what he was capable of. And and so that vital spiritual experience that I was able to to um, get only came from working the steps. And um, I, I'm more grateful every day for that first meeting. And I can still picture the woman who said, this solution is spiritual. Um, it's 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 incredible, and um, so you know, always thinking about people that are new here or struggling or in relapse. You know, God is there for all of us all the time, and and really all we need time, is to access Him. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Penny. Okay, um, Sarah M, you have two minutes. Hi, Hi Sarah. There am, and I am. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Oh wow! Um, see how quick I can do this. You know, I came in this rooms over 40 years ago. God gave me this program, and um, I didn't know what it was all about. I was working at a church, and um, I wanted to drive my car off the bridge. Because my my stomach hit my steering wheel, and all my clothes at that time all had that mark where my steering wheel hit my stomach. And by God's grace, he took off over 100 pounds. But I didn't understand what it was all about. I really didn't. And this morning I was reading and in my meditation time, and it's, I picked up our invitation to you, and it says, to remedy the emotional, physical, and spiritual illness of compulsive overeating, we keep we have we offer several suggestions. But keep in mind that the basis of this program is spiritual. It is spiritual. I have a daily reprieve contingent on my relationship to the God of my understanding. And thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you so much, and thank you every. Thank you to everyone who shared. Um, please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, September 13th, 7 a.m. meeting is 13,000, I'm sorry, 19,397, 19397. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Kathy S. please read a vision for you? Yes, Katie, this is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.